Welcome to Younger and Older, brought to you by Relate365.com, which is a division of Silver Birch Ranch here on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute in northern Wisconsin. I'm Dave Wager. Normally, I'm with you talking to Jason, the younger guy, but we've been doing a very special series with Nate, and he is also a younger guy. Probably most of the world is younger than me um, as we talk. Not really. I'm not that old, but... Um, the younger, older ideas. Nate is a young man that was working here at Silver Birch Ranch. Is still working here. He's just on disability at this moment, and uh, got diagnosed with cancer. And bring us up to date on what what happened, just real quickly, a thumbnail for those who haven't heard some of these broadcasts before. What happened to you, and what is what, what what's going on right now physically? Sure. Uh, about three months ago, yeah, about three months ago, I was diagnosed with stage four cancer goblet cell carcinoid and uh, through that process uh, going through chemotherapy I'm just finishing up I believe it's my sixth round of chemotherapy right now I get a portable pump uh, that I keep on my side after I get the initial treatment for 48 hours and I get that pump removed today Uh, Wow! and uh, through the process uh, you know I've the, you know, through different scans and different things that's been happening uh, to me physically, you know, found out, you know, the cancer is a little more widespread than they initially thought uh, to where I have a tumor between my large and small intestines, a tumor in one of my right uh, ribs, uh, tumor in my liver, uh, my lymphatic system uh, has tumors in it, and it also has some tumors in my spine, which has weakened my spine, and I wound up having uh, some fractured vertebrae. Uh, by God's grace, I was able to get what's called kyphoplasty, uh, which is where they basically glue uh, the vertebrae back together. Kind of a cool thing with that, it's kind of a 50-50 shot if, the, if that will actually work to take care of pain. And it has worked tremendously with me. Uh, to the point where just rolling over in bed was just excruciating pain. And that was, you know, I was on very high dose of morphine uh, through that. So uh, by God. Is that because people with cancer have uh, more brittle bones? Yep. Uh, when you go through chemotherapy, you can become osteo, uh, is it osteoporosis, okay. uh, which is weakening of the bones. And uh, due to the fact that I had cancer in some of the vertebrae, it was a lot of stuff stacked against me. Hmm. Um, I still have some vertebrae that are questionable, but uh, when I go in for chemo, I get a medication that's delivered by IV that helps strengthen bones and uh, encourages uh, bone growth and strengthening. So if we have uh, people in our lives that are uh, going through chemo, we need to be careful that they're not out there pumping iron and throwing logs around and splitting wood and that kind of thing. No, absolutely. That's what I was doing leading up before I was diagnosed, splitting wood, running a chainsaw, and all that fun stuff. Now, is that hard for you to back off on those activities? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. kind of an encouraging thing i was able to do some work on one of my personal vehicles which i have not been able to do in months i had a friend help just so you know i had somebody else there in case you know i ran into something where i couldn't lift something or hit a spot where all of a sudden i have no energy and but i could have done the whole job by myself but it was very encouraging to be able to do that yeah and then uh my last appointment uh which was this wednesday i met with the doctor and uh, one of the markers they follow uh, during blood work, when I first was diagnosed, uh, the number was roughly about 160. Uh, right now, that number is at 60. Uh, they use that number to kind of determine when they send you in for a, you know, another CT scan or any other scans that they want to do. The higher the number, the worse the cancer is. The lower the number, 
uh, the, the better the cancer is getting. So as far as what the 60 means on a scale of 1 to 10 of good or bad, I failed to mention as a doctor. It's yeah. kind of information overload. But, but it is good direction. Oh, yeah, very good direction. Going, going okay. down is good. Yeah, it's amazing what they can do in medicine these oh, days. Oh, yeah, and, it's uh, incredible. And you are a, a model patient, I think, that your philosophy right now, correct me if I'm wrong, is you are going to submit to the doctors and to what they say and do what they tell oh, you to do. absolutely. It's, uh, they're far more educated than I am. Yeah. I think that's far. You know, there's so many times when we go through our lives and, you know, somebody that knows what they're talking about is giving us advice and we are not listening to them. Mm-hmm. And then we we get mad. It's kind of like people get mad at God, mm-hmm. but they have a they've been ignoring God all their life. Yep. And then they get mad <laughs> at God. So it's like it, it, I almost find that humorous, and I know that's not because normally it's a really bad situation. Mm-hmm. But it's like, are you kidding me? You're mad at God. You you have not listened to a word he said, and now when you get sick or or you get you know make you don't even see your own responsibility in all of this. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of an interesting thing sometimes. Um, I've always said, and I've said it to you and on this program, that if you're really angry with God, I don't think you know him. Absolutely. You know, God's sovereign over everything, and it's, we're the sinful ones. He's not. And that's all. You know, getting angry at God is just a sinful behavior, and it's a selfish behavior. Yeah. You, You know, you said something when we were off air a little bit. You said, you know, I'm going to die of cancer. I just don't know when. Mm-hmm. It, you believe that one day you're going to die of cancer, yeah. but you don't that know when. God can miraculously heal me, and it's uh, something that can happen. You know, if he chooses to do that, cool. If not, cool, I get to go to heaven earlier. Yeah. You know, uh, I had a young man come to me just uh, yesterday, actually, and say, do you think that the Apostle Paul was um, authorizing suicide when he said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain? No, I don't and, think he was doing that. Yeah, I don't think so either. No. He said, no, you need to put this in context. Yep. See, for him to live, he knows his purpose for living mm-hmm. is to point to Jesus. And if he gets to live within his purpose, that's gain for him because mm-hmm. he gets to live within his purpose. But if he were to die, if you understand the context of that, he was under great persecution. Mm-hmm. So if they were going to kill him, if they were going to do that, then he would gain because he would be in the very presence of God. Mm-hmm. So basically what he was saying is, either way I win. Yep. And I compared it to guys like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember mm-hmm. those guys? Yep. They made a decision to go against the king. The king said, I'm going to put you in a furnace. And they pretty much looked at the king and said, and you could check it out in the book of Daniel, but they pretty much looked at the king and said, okay, king, either way we win when you throw us in the furnace. Mm-hmm. Now, very few people would say that, that either way we win. And first of all, most people would say, what do you mean either way? You're going in the furnace. There's only one way. You're going to burn. They were wrong. <laughs> well, again, what did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego know? They knew God. And that makes all the mm-hmm. difference. Can you imagine, Nate, going through what you're going through and not knowing God? Oh, absolutely not. That's, a, that's one thing anybody that's talked to me, I've at some point in time I've brought it up at least a half a dozen times. It's going through this in any other circumstance like this. I could imagine going through it without God. You now, know, just, can... just recently you know, with my last chemo treatment, I 
was not feeling well. I was uh, very nauseated. Sometimes what happens with cancer patients, it's a psychological effect because they know it's coming, and I was not feeling well. And I kept asking God, you know, God, you're going to get me through this. You're going to get me through this. And sure enough, he did. Okay, like so he always has. I want you to take a moment, if you would, and if you feel comfortable to do this, I want you to speak to anyone who's listening to us today who's going through cancer or whatever other terminal thing. They have not sought God, and they're trying to go through it on their own. What would you tell them as somebody who's in the position you're in right now? What would you say to them? Seek out people who are godly people. That's a starting point because they're going to encourage you to turn to God. And that's the first step is you got to trust God in some way, shape, or form. You know, by trusting God, you know, I have a tremendous amount of peace regardless of what happens. And that peace only comes from God. And it doesn't come from myself as Nate. It doesn't come from Dave. That peace only comes from God. And that's a starting point. Surrounding yourself with godly people they will encourage you, you know, when you get down and, you know, in the rut, they will encourage you to, you know, focus on the known, focused on Christ. Yeah. That is the best thing you can do. It's better than any medicine that's out there. Yeah. You know, I, uh, you know, it, we've talked a little bit. We have, um, my physical ailments are not um, like yours. Mine, I have narcolepsy, which is a different total to cousin kind of to MS and just mm-hmm. different. But in the process, here's what I've learned. I've learned that God is the not only my God, he's the only God. He's the creator and sustainer of the universe, and he loves me. <laughs> what I need to do is rest in the fact that he loves me. That's what I need to do. Not in the fact that, God, if you love me, then you will do what I tell you. Again, that doesn't work no. for anybody or anything. If your children come to you, Nate, and they say, if you love me, uh, you're going to let me eat ice cream the rest of my life only. You know what I mean? It's like. Yeah, it doesn't work that know, way. No. <laughs> and, and, but do you love them? I love them unconditionally. There you go. So, yep. you know, for somebody that's listening to us today to say, God, you must not love me because you don't give me what I want. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous in life. It's mm-hmm. ridiculous talking to God about that. I was reading a passage, um, and by the way, I'm not sure. It, it, it'll be interesting to see one day what God does to take you off this planet. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if it will be cancer. I, I've said that about myself. My, my whole family, nobody in my family, no male in my family other than my brother now, who's older than me, um, but in ancient history, nobody lived past 60. Mm-hmm. They all died of heart attacks. And I was on that same path. So what's interesting is I've told people, you know, I, I think I know I'm going to die of a heart attack. I have all the, you know, I've already been diagnosed with one. I've already, you know, it's like, I think I'm going to die of a heart attack. I just don't know when. So when you said I, I'm going to die of cancer, I don't know when. A little light went off like, yeah, I've said mm-hmm. that. And now I'm kind of laughing when I pray to God about it. It's like, you're going to have me hit by a truck, aren't you? <laughs> I mean, it's like there's there's going to be some other way that you're going to take me out of here because I'm so convinced I'm going to go this way. Mm-hmm. I, where, think, I think that's where God has a sense of humor. I think so. I think so. But what's really interesting is it, it could happen that way with you mm-hmm. too. I mean, there's there's no saying that you are going to die from this cancer. But here I have found that when you know the truth, when you really know the truth and you embrace it, you're free. You're, you're, you're at peace. Yep. 
People who know truth have peace. People who want to make things up do not have peace. They have confusion. Mm -hmm. So if you're listening today and you are living a life where you're confused, where you're scared, you don't know truth. You need to go look at truth and deal with it. And here's the truth. I was reading Isaiah 40 right before you came in the studio, Nate, and it says, and it's verse 6, um, 6 to 8, and I think it's a classic, but it just says, a voice says cry, and I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. And I looked at that and I thought, you know, forever is a long time. Mm -hmm. And we're alive for how long? The average, do you know even the average? Uh, probably 75, 80. Yeah, we're, we're, so. It's not that long compared to forever. No, in fact, you're going to be dead a whole lot longer than you're alive. Mm-hmm. Your children will be dead a whole lot longer than their life. Mm -hmm. Your parents will be dead a whole lot longer. See, this is, that's the truth I'm talking about. It's not evil to talk about truth. It's mm -hmm. not evil to say that everybody that's on this planet will be dead a whole lot longer than their mm -hmm. life. So let's embrace that. Well, it's something that it's a, I know we've talked about it before. Death is inevitable for everybody, but it's a very uncomfortable topic to talk about because they, some people, they just don't want to die because they believe that the world is everything. The world is nothing compared to what, you know, is waiting for believers on the other side, which is, you know, in the presence of God, which is better than anything. Yeah. You know, I wrote this down when I was thinking. I, I, I was also reading Philippians 4, 4 to 6 before you came, where it said, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say mm -hmm. rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everybody. In other words, the reasonableness is, you know, I trust in God, and that makes sense, but nothing else makes sense. The Lord is at hand. And verse 6, which is classic, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And I wrote a little note to myself here. I said this, he who loves this world will lose all he loves when he dies. Mm-hmm. He who loves God and people will, in increasing measure, enjoy all they loved for eternity. Mm -hmm. I am so concerned that the people that are listening to us, that there are many who do not know God and do not love God, and I want to invite them to get into God's family so that they could have a Heavenly Father walk them through these very tough times. Mm -hmm. In order to do that, it's a very simple thing. God never asks us to do something that we can't do. Mm -hmm. And here's what I know for sure. We can't be good enough for God to love us. We can't be righteous enough. We can't be religious enough. The, the Bible tells us in Isaiah and other places that everybody is straight. Jeremiah 17, mm -hmm. 9 tells us that our hearts are deceitful. They're dark. They're, they tell us lies. Mm -hmm. Romans three twenty three tells us that everybody has sinned, and that sin has kept us from a relationship with God. But it also tells us that in John 3.16, that God so loved that he sent his only son. You see, the fun part of life is that God created us, and he loves us, and he gives us choice, and he wants us to be in his family. Believe it or not, the God of the universe, the one that will be able to care for you for eternity, 
the one who can care for you right now wants you to let him care for you. He wants you to do that, mm -hmm. but he won't force you. Yep. And so you need to be able to come to God and say, God, I understand that I'm sinful. I understand that I'm separated from you. I understand that you love me enough to send your son Jesus down to this earth to die in my place. You know, there's, a, there's an interesting word in the Bible uh, called propitiation, which nobody uses, uh, but maybe some legal people do. But what it really means is, is what is the satisfactory payment? If I could tell you a story, it's, it's as if I'm in a, a Walmart parking lot. I don't know why I pick Walmart. I, I'm in a Walmart parking lot one day, and I'm just walking into the store, and all of a sudden, this guy pops out from behind another car looks at me, screams some silly words, and throws a rock at my head. And I'm on the ground, and he runs away laughing, gets, his, gets in his limo, and leaves. And, and, and everybody saw it in the parking lot, and all of a sudden, all the Walmart people come out, and they you know, call an ambulance. I'm in the hospital. and It just so happens that the, this guy in the parking lot that threw the rock was a billionaire who's a nutcase, you know, a nutcase billionaire. So <laughs> he basically does stupid things. Now, while I'm in the hospital, they discharge me. I got you know concussion, whatever it is. And I go home. Now, everybody saw it. And so the lawyer calls me that night. This billionaire nutcase lawyer calls me. And uh, he explains and goes, you know, I'm sorry. My, my client is a billionaire nutcase. And, you know, the cameras kept, caught him throwing rocks at your head. Um, what he would do is this. He would say, what do we need to do to make this so that you're satisfied? The word he would use would be propitiate. What do we need to do to propitiate you? So that's all he would be asking. Now, why is he asking me that? Because I'm the one that got hit. Mm -hmm. I'm the one that got hurt. So when the lawyer's on the phone, my kids are listening on speakerphone, my wife is, and my kids are saying, Dad, we could use some ATVs, right? My, my wife's saying, we could use new carpeting in the house, Dave. You know what I mean? They're all telling me what I need to do. Mm -hmm. However, they don't get to say, I get to say, I'm the guy who got hit in the head. So I tell the lawyer, I say, okay, if this nutcase would wear a Silver Birch Ranch t-shirt every Tuesday the rest of his life, uh, he has to buy it, by the way. I'm not giving it to him. But if he would wear one the rest of his life, I'm fine. And the lawyer would go, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's it? I would say, yeah. I, you know, no one has to know my thinking why or whatever. I'm just thinking the guy's a nut job. What do I want? You know, I mean, keep him out of the parking lot, you know, mm -hmm. kind of thing. And make him wear a T-shirt, you know, every Tuesday. And uh, now some of my kids and my wife are going nuts. Are you kidding? You could, you could, you could. The lawyer's going, I'll be right over with paperwork. You know, the reason that works is because I'm the only one that gets to choose how I'm propitiated. Mm-hmm. When you look at that, God is the only one that gets to say, the sin in Dave Wager's life or in Nate Brash's life, the sin needs to be paid for. I'm going to choose how, and the only satisfied way will be through Jesus. That's the <laughs> only way I'm satisfied. Some people will look at people and say, you know what, God, you're going to burn in hell, and that'll meet God's satisfaction. That doesn't satisfy God. It's true, by the way. If you're going to die without Christ, you're going to end up worse than you are right now. And if you're sick now and you think life is rough now. Just wait. Yeah, that, that's the facts. Yeah. The truth of the matter is God wants to guide you into eternity. 
And he has said, not only that, I'll pay the price for you to be mm-hmm. in my family. Be kind of like, again, if we used Walmart again, and you and I went to Walmart, and you're behind me in line, and I don't know you or something, and and uh, I get up, and I, I am trying to uh, buy a gallon of milk. And I have this really great flashlight. So I hand it to the clerk, and I say, this flashlight is worth more than this milk, so I'd like to give you this flashlight for the milk. And the clerk would say, that's not how we do it. I said, well, I don't care. I'm insisting that you take this flashlight and I take the milk. This is the way I'm operating. The clerk would say, I'm sorry, you, no. See, Mr. Walmart says the only acceptable payment is money. Mm -hmm. I said, who cares what Mr. Walmart says? My flashlight has value and I'm handing it to you for this milk. Now, any witnesses would be looking at saying that Dave is a nut job at this point. You could be behind me and say, sir, and you put down five bucks, so we just take it out of this. Now the cashier is going, okay, fine. I can understand this because that's what we accept. I don't understand your flashlight thing. Now, I am puzzled as to how many people in life are confused about God and what he says mm-hmm. when that's exactly what he's saying. He's saying, Sin in this world has separated you from me. I don't want to be separated from you. The only thing that propitiates or satisfies me is Jesus. Would you please accept the payment that I accept? So if I'm in line and you paid for it, if I took that money, threw it back at you, and insisted that this lady take the flashlight, now I'm going to get caught in some police arms. Because I am officially somebody who (laughs) refuses truth at that point. I had the opportunity. You were going to pay for it. Mm -hmm. I had it. All I had to do is accept it. And if you're listening today and you're confused about God and his love, I'm telling you something. You don't need to be confused about the idea that God loves you. He does. Mm -hmm. And, And what Nate is resting in, is the idea that God loves him and that God knows what he's doing and whether he is here today or not here today, that he and his family will be cared for. So this whole illness of yours, um, Nate, has it has it given you more of an uh, eternal perspective on life? Oh, absolutely. It you know forces you to confront things that you know a, typically a thirty six year old is not going to have to confront. Yeah, it's something that usually when you turn 60, you start to right. talk about that. But, you know, you have to start planning for, you know, end-of-life stuff. Because in my case, I have no idea when that's going to happen. And it's true for everybody, you know, whether you're, you know, five years old or, you know, 100 years old. We have no idea how much time we have left. But when you're diagnosed with, you know, terminal illness, it becomes more and more clear even though it's a truth for everybody. Death is imminent. We just don't know when. Yeah. You know, I encourage you, uh, Nate, uh, at times to have some flowers in your house because Isaiah 46 talks about these flowers that fade. And one of the things that I have done uh, through life now is from this passage, I am really this old football hockey player who loves looking at a flower. And the reason I like it is because a flower represents life and what we're supposed to be about. If you look at a flower, the flower is representative of reproduction of the plant. Mm -hmm. Once it finishes its reproduction, 
it fades. Mm -hmm. So the flower has this extremely important purpose. And in order to do that, the flower is colorful, fragrant, so it can attract bees and have pollination. Mm -hmm. So I guess the reason I like looking at flowers is I can look at it, I can have it at home and I can look at it, and I can think, Dave, you're supposed to be fragrant in a way that attracts people. You're supposed to be visual in a way that attracts people. I'm, I'm not talking about go out there and get a makeover or anything. I'm, I'm talking about just, Wear perfume. In, you know, I'm just talking about in life. For the purpose, though, for the purpose of reproduction. You know, your purpose in life, Nate, even though you have cancer right now and you're you know, battling through that, your purpose has not changed from when you didn't have cancer. Mm -hmm. Your purpose in life is still to live in a way that shows who the world who God is as that fragrant flower to reproduce. And when your job is done, you'll fade. Mm -hmm. and, and the only one that can tell you when your job is done is God yep. because he knows. And there are some flowers that last long time if i'm going to have flowers in the house i'm going to get uh, those daisies you know or, or something like that they they last longer mm -hmm. yeah you get some other flowers like two days they're gone yeah you know once you cut them they're beautiful and they're all beautiful in their own way it's just you realize that these flowers last longer than those flowers mm -hmm. and that's really how life is god is uh, so pictorial in the bible at helping us understand the idea of the truth that this life is temporary, mm -hmm. but life is not temporary. This segment of it is. And a lot of what we do during this segment is going to affect us in the future. Um, I, I just want to encourage anyone that's listening again, if you are, are wondering, you need somebody to talk to whatever, I encourage you to go to the relate365.com site, get a hold of us, and we'll get, we'll get information over to Nate if you need to mm -hmm. talk to somebody. I would gladly talk to anybody. That's, yep. that's why I'm here. So uh, God has given me a huge platform with this. And you know, I've already had people reach out to me and ask, you know, what's different about you? Yeah. Why is this so easy for you? And the only explanation is God. Yeah. It's. If you're the one that's in control, you're in trouble. Mm -hmm. So you understand that you have to give up control. Mm -hmm. But you're okay because of who you gave it to. That's really important to see. Uh, say, I hate the term, Jesus is my co-pilot. Yeah. No, he is the pilot. He's the pilot, absolutely. I've been watching my wife. Uh, our family's going through some interesting times with um, uh, some elderly parents and some things, some challenges that mm -hmm. come with that. And I'm telling you something. Um, I see her parents look at her and realize she's there to care for her, mm -hmm. for them. And they relax when she's in the room because they, they realize they have this, this advocate mm -hmm. that is going to take care of them and going to do what she needs to do to make sure they're okay. Yep. And I think they do that with all their kids, but I'm not there with all their kids. I'm, I'm there with mm -hmm. my wife when she's there. And um, I know you're experiencing the same with the people around you. And we, we're going to talk more about that, I think, in the next program. But you're experiencing that with the people, but you're also experiencing that with God being the one mm -hmm. that you realize he's in the room. Yep. And so you may not like the situation you're in, but you can relax. Mm -hmm. um, you've been listening to Younger and Older, uh, a product of 
Relay365.com, a division of SilverBirchRanch.org here on the campus of the Nicolet Bible Institute. Uh, we're going to come back and do another program with Nate here on Younger Older. Hope you can join us.